today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Hope you're getting through this. Uh, you know, the numbers can be a little depressing when we start looking at the uh, the pandemic and the impact that it's having. And uh, we know that uh, the head of the uh, Center for Disease Control down in the States was actually quoted yesterday as suggesting that uh, there could be a, an, even a fourth wave, they say, in the States, which is somewhat surprising because of the way their vaccine program is rolling out. But it comes down to behavior. I mean, you know, people are, are not social distancing the way they should be. Uh, and, uh, well, the, the masking, I guess, is, is still pretty good. But uh, the numbers of new cases are probably problematic and it can be a really grating on us i guess as a result and it and make us moody but there are experts that will tell us right now that sometimes moody is good uh interesting article that uh, appeared in the conversation says why bad moods are actually good for you the surprising benefits of sadness this may take some convincing for you to understand that, but if you understand the rationale behind this. Uh, joining us to talk about this is uh, Steve Jordan. He's a professor of psychology at the University of Toronto. Uh, professor, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you with us today. Yeah, no problem. It's great to be with you. I read the piece uh, in the conversation called Why Bad is Good for You and Surprising Benefits, and it reminded me of, of an interview I did years ago with a, a very prolific songwriter who's, I, I'm not going to admit, but has, has written some big hits. Uh, and he, he made a blanket statement, which I thought was rather unusual. He says, you know what? He says, happy people don't write good songs. He says, I'm more creative when I'm upset and when I'm ticked off about something or when I'm sad. Uh, and and maybe, maybe that's the foundation for this piece. Is that really true? Yeah, I mean, think of com- comedy as well. You know, comedians, yeah. we think of the best comedians as, as using their comedy as a channel for, you know, wrestling with these emotional states and such. And, and that's, you know, sort of the, the key here is that these emotional states can push us into a sort of reflective mindset where we kind of take stock and think about things. And yeah, sometimes we want to vent those, those emotions and, and those with creative sides to them. That, that can be a force that comes out in interesting ways. And now we're not suggesting people go out and say, okay, be sad today. I mean, it's it's something that, that happens to you. It's not something, I, I hope anyway, that you can create. But what what about context in a situation like that? Uh, uh, can you actually enjoy and, and experience happiness if you haven't experienced sadness? Yeah, uh, well, you know, that's sort of exactly it, right? We live in this world where pain and suffering is, is part of being alive. Uh, and, and while those, they're sort of horrible states at the time, or they can feel horrible at the time, they do really make it, you know, just their absence is like a fan being turned off sometimes. The absence of those uh, negative emotional states can make us appreciate normalcy. Um, almost like, you know, when you kind of think of being sick, like if you had a, I don't know, a broken leg or something, and, and that was a hindrance, and then suddenly you get better, and normal feels great. Uh, and great feels fantastic. And so, yes, these negative states are really important in terms of, you know, sort of being the spice of our life. Uh, and, and, and they do have real benefits in terms of really making us kind of relax, sit back and think. You know, if you, if you think of when you're happy, you're, when you're happy, you're just out there enjoying. You're just living, so to speak. When you're sad or angry, you're often sort of thinking about life, about how you got to that situation. And sometimes that can be very important for guiding you in, in better directions going forward. Is, is it fair then to, to look at things, uh, maybe maybe some of the catalysts for, for sadness, uh, well, things like fear, anger, shame, disgust maybe even, uh, those, are, those are actually educational tools? Uh, I mean, fear, like real fear when we get to the point of, you know, existential, something we think could really negatively impact us, that's a whole different kettle of fish in the, in the sense that that can, you know, really lead to psychological scarring, things like PTSD, that kind of stuff. 
But as long as we're not that far, and, and, you know, even if we think of the COVID situation where so many of us are sharing anxiety, you know, we have a lot of stress that we're dealing with right now and, and a lot of sadness about people we can't be with and events we're not doing. But it's, it's not sort of clinical. It's just annoying. And to some extent, when we get through that and we're able to once again live like more like we want to, this will be sort of a shared experience that we've gone through that may actually make us, A, appreciate normalcy more, appreciate life as it is, and, and B, maybe feel a connection to one another because we will have weathered the storm together. Uh, and, and I know that still always feels like it's always in the future, but that future is coming and, and it could actually lead us to be have, have better interactions, to appreciate our social world more than we did beforehand, um, and, and could leave sort of a positive scar, as it were. Well, that's an interesting point because we've talked about, maybe talked around that issue for the last 12 months or so since we've had lockdowns and social distancing and, and a number of issues like that, uh, which really runs contrary to our, 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 our psyche because we're social beings. We, we like to be around other people. We like those interactions. Uh, and, and to your point, uh, if we're feeling lousy and we're feeling sad, uh, we, you know, experience has taught us that oftentimes people will come to our aid. Like, what's the matter? How you, what's, what's, what's bugging you? Uh, which, which actually, I guess, I guess is gratifying in a roundabout way to know that, hey, somebody actually cares about my moods. And, and it, it sounds funny to say there's a net benefit to it, but I think that's really the result. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're so right. It really gives you a sense of the empathy of others. And th that term you just said, we, we talk about it and, and everything, even from like e-learning, we'll talk about a teacher having presence and we'll say that means they're there and they care. When we know that other people are there and they care, that is a big social uh, insulating. It just makes us feel like, okay, I can get through things. And you're right. When we are in these moods and, and others detect it and they seem to care about it, you know, that sends us a really strong signal that those people are there. Uh, and so that's another benefit that we get is just that sort of social reaction that from others, you know, even if they're not necessarily totally comforting, maybe the fact that they even notice, wow, you're not, <laughs> you're not yourself today, you know, kind of suggests to us that they are aware of, of who we are and they do care about our mental states. That is so important. Uh, in, in fact, if I could say one thing, one of the best things we can do for one another, especially if you think somebody is feeling down is this process we call active listening, which is, you know, instead of putting forward your thoughts all the time, really spending time with somebody and saying, how are you feeling? What's making you feel that way? Um, and, and really spending time trying to show that person that you would like to really know where they're at. And when you do that, when you take the time to listen and to hear somebody out, it makes them feel so much better because you are doing that and you're showing that you're there and that you care. Uh, and that is a powerful force for someone that's sad or in a negative emotional state. Well, it's cathartic, too. I mean, even if somebody shows that propensity for saying, I just want to hear what, you, what you're what you thinking, what's going on in your head right now, uh, yeah. you're right, that creates a bomb. But at the same time, it gives us an emotional release to actually get that stuff out, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, many of us just want to be heard. You know, there's always that we think of back to the men are from Mars, women are from Venus thing where they say men always want to fix problems and women just want you to listen. In fact, we all want people to listen. We don't usually want somebody to come and, you know, just hear us enough to say, oh, well, you should do this. You should do that. Uh, and when you're actively listening, you, you don't say those things. You just say, how are you feeling? 
Uh, and, and you kind of let that person exactly as you say, sort of vent that stuff, tell them how, tell you how they're feeling and when they can get that out to someone who actually listens and, and does the right grunts at the right time, the nonverbal stuff is really important to just kind of show that person that, you know, if they say something that really bothered them, if you say, oh man, you know, that's like, oh yeah, that would really bother me as well. I feel that I'm sharing that emotional state with you. That is so powerful for connecting two individuals. Um, and, and especially if one of them really needs it at that time, you know, that is the secret of friendship is, is learning to be a good active listener for your close friends. This is a, a clause from the story that I was reading that really kind of struck me. I wanted to get your read on this. Uh, in one study, a bad mood, in this case was caused by bad weather, actually results in yeah. people better remembering details, for instance, of a shop they just left or something that they saw or being an eyewitness to something. Do, do, do moods like that sharpen our senses? Well, they, they do uh, to some extent. They make us more attentive um, to, to what we're kind of experiencing. And, you know, again, when you think of the opposite, when you're just out there having fun, you're just out there having fun. You're not thinking a whole lot. You're just sort of responding to the environment. But when you're in your head, when you're not, you know, in that in that positive space, then you pay a little bit more attention and you think a little bit more deeply about the things that are happening. And so, yes, it does actually sort of sharpen your mind in that way. In fact, some people, you know, you said at some point, well, we're not suggesting people go and get sad. You can do that. You know, in the lab, we often use music. I, I used to listen to Pink Floyd on, on uh, headphones, and Pink Floyd's not particularly uplifting. A lot no. of the songs are, are somewhat scary and, and dark in some ways. Um, but that, but I used to really enjoy because it did kind of bring me into my mind and, and got me to think about these things deeply. And so sometimes those sort of, let's call them sad, but sort of darker contemplative kind of moods can be really important for us to kind of step back and think about things and, and make decisions and, and maybe change some paths. And, you know, right now at the end of COVID, I think it's, it's, that's the, our sort of challenge. We're going to emerge from this. We are either going to do what I call the great snapback, which is if we do nothing else, we will go back to our old way of being because we're creatures of habit. And we're very social. If, if anyone's looking back at their life now, perhaps with some sadness, and thinking, you know, I don't know if I want to live the way I did pre-COVID. This is the time to really think that through and then to intentionally start kind of restructuring your life as you emerge, you know, living the kind of life you want. And if you can intentionally do that for a while, eventually you can form new habits, new ways of being. And so this is a good time for us all to spend a little time doing that introspection. Uh, which is a key part to this, uh, the introspection aspect of this. Yeah. They also talk about motivation. Maybe that goes back to my point at the beginning of our conversation uh, from the, the songwriter that said, you know, happy people don't write good music uh, or poetry, I guess, uh, by extension and something like that. Does, does, it, does it hone our creativity when we're, when, are we concentrating more if, if we, we feel the pressure to create? Because what I'm hearing from an awful lot of artists is that, you know, when I'm in a mood, uh, the, the stuff just flows out of me. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the whole sort of muse motion. But when they say it sort of flows out of them, what they're kind of, I, I always like to say, we're sort of two people in one, every one of us. We have a very primitive emotional instinctual side, the limbic system and our sort of reptilian brain. And then on top of that, we have our new frontal lobes, which is where we do all of our rational sort of conscious thought. Uh, and yeah, when songwriters or, or other artists are talking, they say it's coming from deep within where it's probably coming from is their emotions, you know, just sort of channeling sort of thoughts, certain images to mind, 
which they feel like they're kind of recording rather than producing. So it's not like their consciousness is creating these things. It's coming from somewhere else. And they will call it the muse. Um, you know, Neil, Neil Young used to talk about sitting outside a cave and waiting for the bear to kind of yeah. come. And he talked about this bear that would, that would motivate him to do stuff. Uh, and I think that's why so many artists talk about it in such mysterious terms, because it does feel like it's, it's coming from deep inside of them. And, and that's a powerful force. You know, those, those emotional sides, we, we, we constantly like to think of ourselves all the time as rational beings, but we're much more emotional than we are rational. And we, we can kind of get, you know, in, in, a good relationship with that emotional side, learn to control it when we want to control it in cases like anxiety, but also learn to kind of free it a little bit uh, in the cases like being creative, uh, you know, not trying to overthink everything, but letting things flow a little bit more in that sort of flow state. Can we see it coming and channel it? Is, is that something we have to train ourselves to do? Well, I mean, you can definitely control emotional states. Um, music is a is a common one. I mean, what, yeah. some of the very earliest psychological research by Wilhelm Wundt, he just noticed that when you do a metronome and you click it fast, people tend to be happier. If you have it click slow, they tend to get sad. Uh, and so just very simple things like tempo and key and those sorts of things can bring you to a different emotional states. Um, and, and so you can use the environment to kind of take your mind where you want it to be. Um, and that could be out of a sad state, but in, at times it could be into a deep contemplative uh, state. And I think using, you know, getting a sense of how you can control your mind uh, is, is a really useful thing to have and to be able to put yourself in an emotional state that fits, you know, your life and where you're at at that time is a very powerful skill to develop. I'm interested in that tie between, you know, for instance, music, even maybe more so yeah. than the literature, because you can, you can put a book down and say, I'm not in the mood, but music's going to impact you the minute you hear it. Uh, do we, When we're in a mood, whether it's a good mood or bad mood, melancholy, nostalgic, I mean, there could be any number of things, do we gravitate towards music that's going to enhance that? Um, I would think so. It's I, an interesting question. I, would, I have to kind of think of that one on the fly. But, but I would think there is a certain um, resonance, let's say, that if you're in emotional, uh, a certain state, then music that fits that would probably draw you. But you can certainly use it the other way. And, and you know, as one example in the COVID situation, if, if any of us know somebody who we think is feeling really lonely and sad and we wish we could do something to help them, if you could create a little playlist of pre-COVID songs that are associated with positive events in their life, if you happen to know them um, well, that's great. If you don't know them that well, if you can create a song of a uh, playlist of hits from when they were about 15 to 20 years old, which is when we're all hypersensitive to music, maybe 13 to 20. If you have songs from when they were that age, you play those songs or they play those songs, it will transport them to that time. And if that time is a much better time, you may see them, you know, smiling, dancing, singing along. All of those things release positive endorphins, which counter the cortisol that all this anxiety is releasing in us. And, it, and it's medicine for those people. And so it's one of the most powerful things you can do. If you, if you say to somebody, you know, I wish I could make you feel better, you can make them feel better. And, and music is the single most direct and easy way to enhance their mood. 
Well, and I guess it could go the other way, too. I mean, you know, we've, we're living through troubling times right now with lockdowns and pandemics. And and uh, I, I, invariably, the song in my head oftentimes is a Springsteen song, something like The River or My Hometown, which, which are or, which are not feel-good songs, but, but they're songs that can say, yeah, yeah, that, that's the way I'm feeling right now. I, I get that. And he gets it. That's why I like him, yep. you know, because he, he can relate yep. to me. There's a, there's a, a bond there. Exactly. It's it's that empathy and it, it's that notion that that artist, I, I I can feel exactly I've been there and heck, Bruce Springsteen's been there. You know, this is a guy that's owned the stage for years, but he knows that feeling. And so it, it can unite us. We all experience these negative states uh, and, and especially when it's people we respect and, and appreciate at some level. You know, I, I even think of DeRozan when he was a, a Raptor as being one of the first NBA athletes that said, you know, I struggle with depression. Mm-hmm. When you think of somebody like that and you say, well, yeah, I do too. And, and you know, if, if you were someone that struggled with depression, that is a really powerful um, connection that you now have to somebody who is able to succeed despite having this challenge in their life. And that makes us feel like, okay, yeah, I have that challenge too. Uh, I'm not alone, but, but I also maybe, you know, maybe I can work with this. Maybe I can manage it. Uh, and in some cases you can, and in other cases, obviously you need some external help to do that. Uh, but those connections are really important and songwriters uh, give us that all the time. Right? The ones that really grab us give us that. The DeRozan examples, I think, fabulous. I know we're just about out of time, but I, I, I talked to somebody who was actually dealing in a situation like that, and he says, you know what, it really it gave me perspective on this, because I said, you know, I, I'm feeling crappy about myself right now, and I figure, boy, if I could win the lottery, and here's a guy with all the money in the world, all the yeah. talent in the world as a basketball player, but he's still f- suffering from depression. So he says, that showed me that what I was aspiring for, what I wanted, is not going to be the answer. That's not going to solve my problem. That's right. Yeah, good stuff. Exactly. Steve, this is fabulous. I really enjoyed the time with you today. Thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate uh, the, the perspective, and, and hopefully we've all learned something from this. Always great chatting with you. I appreciate it as well. Take care. Professor Steve Jordan's, of course, uh, from University of Toronto. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.